Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, Hawks executive Arthur Trish. Do you not have privileges with the rookies? You can't make them take care of that? Ooh, you think I'm going to tell Ivan Johnson something? Are you crazy? I value my life. With your host, Gallup Anderson. Just it down behind his head. Seku Smith. And Lang Whitaker. The NBA's executive vice president of basketball, Richard Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of The Nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip off. Welcome in, welcome in, episode 81 of the Hangtime Podcast. Sacred Smith from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com, Lang Whitaker. Hello, hello. Many endeavors, my co-host and cohort. Uh, Lang, it's it's an interesting week. The draft lottery is going to go on tonight in Times Square. Uh, game two of the uh, Eastern Conference finals will be played tonight. We're still kind of sorting through the residue of of Game Two of the Western Conference Finals. Another win for the Spurs, right? Um, which which storyline do you think resonates the loudest uh, come tomorrow morning? I, I mean, I think the story right now is still the Western Conference Finals. Sure, um, you know the two probably the two best teams remaining are playing each other right now. Um, Right. And watching that game last night, you know, what what impressed me about the Spurs really is that I think in both games, they're not doing a lot of adjusting to Oklahoma City. They're kind of dictating the way the game is being played, the lineups, yeah, everything to me. The, the one thing that Oklahoma City did to kind of like change the tempo a little bit was that hack a splitter. <laughs> and it kind of worked. Like, you know, the Spurs couldn't make, miss a shot before all that, and then it kind of broke their rhythm a little bit. Um, and they made that little run at the – Thunder made a little run at the end. But uh, I, I think that's the that's the series that most people are watching right now. I, I just wonder if the Celtics are just kind of beat up and tired and they look a little run down. Yeah. Um, the, the, one, the one little subtle thing that, that the Spurs did I thought was interesting uh, in game two is putting Danny Green on, on Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So, so you didn't have a head-to-head Tony Parker Westbrook matchup, and it seemed to work wonders for for TP. I mean, he he blew up again. Um, yeah. But I I get I wrote about it this morning on the blog, and I have that sticky feeling. You know, the same one I had watching the first couple games of the previous two series that the Thunder were involved in. Uh, were involved in. It's almost you know it's like this inevitable feeling like, man, they they can play as well as they possibly can and then you get into the fourth quarter and you just don't you're not sure they're gonna have the firepower to pull it out and I know that seems ridiculous when you're talking about Kevin Durant you know and Westbrook and James Harden all playing on the same team but well the the three of them combined for 88 points last night and they still <laughs> lost <laughs> I mean it just feels like uh almost like they're fighting an unfair fight you know what I mean yeah like it's three on 12 or something um it kind of is though yeah. I mean, at least offensively, you know, like, I mean, but that's what they've done all year. That's how they've won all year. You know, those yeah. three guys score and then defensively they stop people, but they couldn't stop San Antonio last night. I mean, they were all those 
it seemed like second and third quarter they, they didn't miss a jump shot. Yeah, it, it, well, it's and it's it's one of those deals where the, those three guys for the Thunder could probably beat every other team in the league playing that way. Right, and, and this is the one team that's so deep and so balanced that they won't be able to to beat the Spurs playing that way. I, I, you know, you go back and say, okay, they can do this and make this adjustment. and do that. I don't know what – I mean, and we'll talk about it one of our guests later in the show, but I don't know what other adjustments you make. I mean, what else do you do? They kind of remind me of like an NBA Jams team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you only have a limited pool there to pick from, but the Spurs <laughs> have so many guys that you're kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel bad. I mean, uh, not bad for them, but uh, certainly you understand the plight they have right. ahead of them right now. Um, Lang, let's let's not waste any time on the podcast this week. Let's get right into it. Our first guest uh, is one of the premier news hounds in the business, friend of mine and yours, guy everybody knows well, Sam Amick of SI.com. Join us on the Hang Time Podcast. Sammy, are you seeing the same things out of the Spurs Thunder series that we are in terms of, you know, uh, just an uphill battle for the for the Thunder, no matter how you slice it? Yeah, without question, guys. Um, last night, I mean, the, the Hackett-Tiago strategy, you know, was effective, <laughs> but it's such a, a desperate move. And, uh, I mean, I, I got the picture of Scotty Brooks's face just, burned on my mind i mean he's he's such a great guy and he's normally fairly affable looking and, and calm and composed and i mean he just looked like he was about to pull his hair out you know right. he, uh, he didn't know what to do with that spurs offense it was just like a a buzzsaw just cutting right through him so you know i who knows i think a sliver of hope was not that you can go to hack at tiago all that often but it did mess up the flow and then i yeah. thought you know with some of the guys on the tnt Telecast were saying was accurate. You know the the idea that you slow it down, you grind it out, you get more physical, you you bump them off the screens, you you know just do whatever you got to do to uh, you know to, to to mess them up. But uh, it, you know that was a short lived little window of success. Otherwise, they just they do they look like they got no chance here. Well, what do you think they do, Sam? Like, we, <laughs> I I watched the game with a friend of mine last night, and we afterwards on the way home we were we were like. How do you, how do you stop this team <laughs> like going forward? <laughs> well, I mean, I like you know I do think it's it's fascinating to me how just the matchups game. So Kendrick yeah. Perkins, you know, was so big in the last series and a big part of what they were doing, and you know now he's just he's at, at times a liability. So I think you do have to go more athletic. Uh, you know you know they're getting out and running a, a fair amount, but defensively. You just can't afford to have Kendrick, you know, just kind of slowly rolling off those picks. And, you know, Russell Westbrook, uh, I mean, that to me is the key to the series. And I thought that going in where Tony Parker had had a lot of success against Russell this season. And, I, you know, you've read some things about how he took the matchup personally, and it mm-hmm. certainly seems to be the case. I mean, he is just running him ragged. Um, so they need to get Russ some help because it's, I think it's, it's messing with Russ's head on the offensive end, he's not making, he's, you know, he's been a, a pretty decent decision maker most of this season. We haven't had the stuff that we saw last playoffs, you know, with him dominating the ball way too much and, and, and just having that hero ball, you know, from the first quarter to the fourth. And, and now we're seeing a lot more of that. Um, so I think, you know, 
getting Perk out of there and, and going more athletic would be a good start. Yeah. Sam, do you you look at this series? Did you see the Spurs? I mean, I, I don't – I didn't have them, at, you know, at the start of this year as my pick to be the preeminent team in the West Conference. That wasn't the way I was thinking, certainly not after what they went through last year in the first round losing to the Grizzlies. Did you see this point, the Spurs team at some point throughout the season turning into the the group we've watched for the last, you know, 40-some-odd days, almost 50 days here, this literally untouchable that can't be beat? I mean, not not to that degree, Sekou, but I uh, when I was in L.A., probably two-thirds of the way through the season, uh, it was Clippers-Spurs, and, and I, was, I, I looked back on it and I kind of laughed because I was one of the many media guys who – just kept ignoring the Spurs. So even though the Clippers <laughs> lost the game, and I remember talking to my editor and saying, you know, hey, I'm going I'm to touch on the Clippers and how, you know, even though they lost, they do look like a legit playoff threat. And, uh, and, and she had actually said to me, um, you know, the Spurs won nine in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I know, but, you know, Clippers are more interesting. So I wrote the, the Clippers that day. And, you know, from that point on, I, I kind of – it at least put a bug in my head to to uh, start paying closer attention. They looked re- really, really good at that point. And then by the time the playoffs rolled around, um, they did. They just looked untouchable. Kenyon Martin and I talked about how good they are recently, and because he played the Spurs, you know, those uh, the Nets Spurs finals back in the early part of the decade. And you know, he wasn't ready to give them the title of best Spurs team yet. Uh, that was before game four of last series, but uh, they sure look like it right now. I mean, they look like they do have the potential to be, you know, the best version we've seen. Sam, that's, that's a good transition into to the Clippers. I know you, we, what's going on there with, with Del Negro and, and with Neil Olshay right now. Yeah, I mean, Vinny's coming back. Uh, that was somewhat surprising to me. I had heard, you know, some rumblings just within the last week that maybe he wasn't coming back. You had Donald Sterling with the, the final vote, obviously, and that's a, an owner who, when they did the coaching search and they mainly picked Vinny over Dwayne Casey, now with Toronto, that was uh, Donald Sterling handpicking you know, the coach. I had heard that, uh, that the front office choice at that point was Dwayne Casey. And uh, but not shocking that Donald would stick with his guy. Uh, you know, what it means and any ripple effect, we'll see here. But Neil is, is a candidate in Portland for that GM spot, interviews, you know, one of the three finalists for that job. And uh, I don't know who's out in front. I think he's got a legit shot, though. And so, uh, you know, we'll see if that that decision-making group remains the same with the Clippers. If it does, they, uh, they get to work making Chris Paul happy. You know, they've got a lot of holes that are going to get created by free agency. A lot of those guys they brought in. Red Gavin, Kenny Martin, you know, going down the line, Nick Young, a lot of guys coming off track. So uh, the stable around Chris Paul is about to get lighter. And obviously, guys, they got one year to make them happy and try to convince them to stick around. Yeah. Sam, flipping over from the clips to another another guy who spent some serious time in L.A., um, Dwight Howard. Uh, this, this news coming out, he's rumbling that, hey, he – you know, he regrets the decision he made to, to re-up for that next year. And is there any way, you know, he gets moved between now and the start of next season? We talked about it last week with Evan Dunlop. Um, but, I mean, I guess the, the story has changed even since then. Um, 
And I, and I'm curious, do you think that this Dwight story takes another two or three, you know, twists and turns before it gets resolved? Or is this all just part of the, the noise that we hear, you know, with a story like this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's part of the noise. And it's, uh, on my end, it's, it's a little bit, you know, different from what I'd been hearing. I, you know, would, would Darren love to have Dwight out there? Yeah. But I, I was surprised recently when, you know, one of Darren's guys had told me that, that, uh, you know, he really wants to be in Jersey. Now, obviously it, it was kind of like, he doesn't want that cat out of the bag because he doesn't want to be on a 500 team and he does want Dwight Howard to be there. Um, and yes, if they get Anthony Davis, Davis is a great player, but if you're Darren Williams and you're trying to win a title now, you'd probably prefer that they split Davis, you know, with Orlando to, uh, to get Dwight Howard. So all of that I buy. Um, I'm just not, you know, the, the part of the story for me that, that was missing was, okay, so what? who is in the lead if it's not Jersey? Because what I'm hearing on Dallas is there's not longevity there. You know, the way they, they stand out in the playoffs, the fact that Dirk's on the downside of his career, you know, that uh, that's not a setup. doesn't mean there's no chance he's going to Dallas, but there was kind of a skewed view of that. Um, you know, on the Lakers thing, I thought it was a new addition where he'd be interested in a sign and trade with them. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we'll see. But uh, I think the Nets still have a decent shot, even if they, they don't get Dwight. Uh, another team, Sam, that I was wondering about is uh, the Bobcats and Jerry Sloan. What's the latest with all that? Well, I mean, he had a good interview um, with MJ last week in Utah. My, Michael went out there, and I talked to Jerry briefly afterwards, and, you know, he said it was it was positive. Um, I am hearing that he's a very legitimate candidate, and, uh, you know, it sounds like they're going to wait for this lottery tonight to go down, and that, you know, if you're a coach and you're trying to look at what a situation is going to be, and, uh, you know, whether or not you're going to have the franchise player top pick is a huge factor, so... Um, I, you know, I don't know if he's out in front, but I, you know, it went well. He was happy, and, and he really wants to coach. You know, I mean, if you're, I mean, you know, somewhat sarcastically, if you're willing to take that Charlotte job, then you obviously want to coach because, you know, that's a rough spot to be in. Uh, but I think he would be interested in Portland. I think, you know, he'd be interested in, in almost any job right now. I think he just wants to get out there again. Sam, we uh, we won't hold you much longer, but I, I, I can't let you off of here without at least bringing up the, the Miami Heat in the uh, Boston Celtics series. I, I know the, the Celtics are looking a little long in the tooth after that seven-game series in the conference semifinals and then getting punched around a little bit in game one. But do you think they got enough to to, to stretch this thing out, or is this kind of the end of the end of the big three-plus Rondo era we're seeing play out right now in the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not looking too good to me. I think, um, you know, the – the matchups were there, and, and everything was going the right direction a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, to me, if you got Paul Pierce, you know, and he's not talking about it, but if he's hobbling and he's not playing like himself, and you got Ray Allen, you know, making you shake your head and, and you know, check your TV set to see if that's the same guy. You know, he's just not he's not shooting like, you know, we've grown accustomed to see him shoot. Um, I just don't know where the firepower comes from. KG you know, put up some numbers in game one, uh, but he can't do it alone. And, you know, like everybody has been saying, you know, Rondo's got to be great. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't know if, you know, can he be great when he's facing, you know, that, that attacking, swarming perimeter D of the Heat. You know, it's not a matter of Mario Chalmers defending Rondo. I mean, he's got so much help. Um, you know, guys on the on the wings are coming in and, and mucking it up for Rondo. So I don't see it. I think they're, they're too good and too well coached. 
to, you know, to get swept here. Uh, I don't necessarily see that. Um, but in terms of, you know, actually pulling this thing off, uh, I don't see it. Because you're, you're seeing Miami just third. You're seeing them come together and, and, uh, and find a way to get this thing done. And that moment that everybody wrote about with LeBron and, and Kevin Garnett, you know, when he was kind of laughing, not necessarily in his face, just kind of laughing, you know, right next to him as Kevin was staring him down was pretty symbolic of it seems like the turning of the tide here, you know? Yeah. Well, Sam, I'm I'm promising barbecue dinner on Lang during the finals. Um, <laughs> Lang, Lang's picking up the tab somewhere in San Antonio. You pick the spot, and uh, and we'll get together. Sounds good, guys. I appreciate you having me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Sammy. Thanks, Sam. No problem. Be good. See ya. Sam Amick of SI.com, Lang. Um, <clears throat> the, the one thing that, that I cannot believe – we're going to go from training camp of last year, possibly to training camp of this year talking about is Dwight Howard. Um, and I know we spent so much of uh, the last episode of the hang time podcast talking about him. Um, but he could literally change the entire landscape of the league this summer line. If he does end up leaving Orlando and say, going, going to, to the Brook, you know, to Brooklyn or, or LA or somewhere else. I mean, he could still be the guy who, who shifts a, a huge piece of the power in the league to wherever mm-hmm. he ends up playing. Do you think it, do you think he's a good fit? Nah, that's not, I mean, not a good fit. I mean, he's a good fit basically anywhere. He goes. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he's the right fit in Brooklyn with Darren Williams? Do you think he's a better fit in LA, you know, in a, you know, either for Gasol or Bynum, however you'd have to work it out. I mean, where do you think, what, which coast do you think he fits best on? I think he fits better in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, you know, the Lakers, they had two seven-footers this year and seemed to have problems figuring out how to use the two of them together. Um, and I don't know how that changes if you swap out one for one of, you know, Dwight for one of the one of those two guys. Um, I think in, in Brooklyn, with a, a point guard like Darren Williams, um, who's, who's really good at breaking down defenses and finding open guys, uh, you know, and moving to this new arena in Brooklyn, it's going to be a big deal here in New York where I am. Um, I think in, you know, in that sense, uh, he's probably a better fit in Brooklyn, but like you said, when you, I thought for a second you were going to ask where does he fit. And I was going to say he fits anywhere. Like, what, what team doesn't need Dwight Howard? Yeah, no. That's, I, as, as I was saying it, I thought to myself, "Good Lord, you know, he's, you put him any, you put him uh, any in any basketball league on any planet, and he fits great." So um, <laughs> he can I'm, I'm with actually the, he'd be a I'm good fit with the Globetrotters. Uh, yes, I'm actually stunned you didn't say the the Hawks. I thought you'd be lobbying for him to make a return trip here to Atlanta and. Uh, get back with the with the home team um i just don't know if they have what orlando wants you know, no. you know uh, they don't have a, a lottery pick or a top draft pick and they don't have another seven footer that you you could trade for him so yeah yeah what uh the the other <clears throat> huge piece of the summer that's kind of lingering out there and i can't remember a time when we talk less about free agency um in, in the, the draft lottery and how, kind of how all this works than, than this season. <clears throat> I mean, two years ago, obviously we had, you know, the, the specter of LeBron and didn't know the decision and all that stuff was coming. Right. But, you know, you had LeBron and D-Wade and Bosh and that huge free agent summer. Last summer we had 
the last vestiges of, of you know, the draft and free agency before a lockout. And now this this year, it's almost like, you know, an afterthought. I mean, you don't hear Anthony Davis is looming out there and we mentioned him, but you don't hear people buzzing about the draft like you, you know, like you normally do this time. Um, certainly free agency is not getting the attention that it normally does. Maybe that has something to do with the free agent class. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that, you know, some decisions were, were made and put in place before now. Um, do you, I, do you see I, a frenzy for Darren Williams and some of these other guys this summer going on? I don't know. I, I mean, it's also, to me, like it's also a little early for that. Because this is, this is actually a good draft, you know. This yeah. is a, a pretty yeah. deep draft. Um, so from that standpoint, I, I think it'll be an interesting draft. And there'll be a lot of guys who can come in and produce right away um, or at least play and, and, you know, be a rotation player. But I, 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 so I just think it's a little early. You know, people are still – the season was so fast and all of a sudden now we're yeah. in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, this got two heavyweights going at it in the West and um, the Heat all of a sudden have found their groove. And, and then you have the, the old Lions in Boston trying to figure out how to, how to get back together. So, um, to me, I, I think it's a little early for that. I think it will be a yeah. big story this summer. Yeah, I'm, well, you know, and you know what else could change that, Lang? Is tonight if if a team nobody expects yeah. to get the number one pick ends up getting it, or something crazy happens. I mean, which I'm uh, far be it for me to hate crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, things could change dramatically just with the the order of the lottery. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been laughing at Twitter because you know people have been talking so much about. You know the seven point five percent chance of of getting the number one pick, and you know everybody overanalyzing you know each team's chances for getting that pick. But I mean, I, who do you think needs it more than anybody else? And I know there's some obvious you know choices out there. You talk about the Bobcats, some yeah. Where do you think? I mean, where do you think Anthony Davis could come in and make the biggest impact on a team in terms of taking them from the lottery and getting them close to? Uh, you know, being a playoff well, contender. I think any team, I don't think he's going to come in and offensively, you know, average 20 points a game. But no, no. I do think pretty much any team, he could come in and guard the rim. Um, yeah. You know, um, he's going to get called for fouls his rookie year a lot, I'm sure, like all rookies do. But um, he's a big body, and he can get up there and defend on the in the paint, and he can do that for any team. I, You know, one thing about the lottery, uh, the the last time a team that was had had the most ping pong balls – ended up getting the number one pick was uh, 2004, Orlando. <laughs> yeah, a little guy named Dwight out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, th- there's a pretty good chance that whoever it is who, you know, that the Bobcats might not get that number one pick. Yeah. I, you know, and I don't know how I feel about, you know, we, we rank drafts, people rate drafts all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't Man, I don't know. I, you know, I just don't know that it. I don't know that it translates to to rescuing a franchise as quickly as some people seem to believe it does. Because, uh, like you said, Anthony Davis, as good as as good as he is, and as talented as a player as he is, he's going to have a learning curve and a physical curve, you know, in terms of getting up to speed for the NBA game, that's steeper than anything. Uh, you know, a, a guy with the talent to say LeBron or, or Dwight or 
or some of these previous number one picks have had. And, and I liken it to what eh, that's not fair. It's not fair to, to throw his name out there with some of these other guys who maybe haven't been as as big time, you know, turned out to be as big time of players as some of these other guys. But it's just a huge jump when you have, a, to me, a guy who plays that position and has the physical deficiencies he's going to have trying to play the fours and the fives in the NBA. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm thinking his learning curve might be a little steeper than normal. You know, I, but I think there's teams who could definitely come out of this, you know, much improved. I mean, look, New Orleans has two picks. Um, in the, you know, they could have two picks in the top ten. Um, there's some other picks that, like Portland, could end up with a, a top pick if if it doesn't end up in the top three and it goes back to New Jersey. But um, there's a couple of teams who could come out of this uh, significantly better, I think. Yeah, and there's there's so much you know up in the air. Like you got you got some teams who still have to sort through you know front office issues and deciding if. Who's going to take the reins in Portland, like we talked about with Sam? And, um, you know, you don't know what shape the draft takes. You know, everybody talks about Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, Bradley Beal, Thomas Robinson, Drummond, Harrison Brown. You know, those same five, six, seven, eight names yeah. considered to be at the top. But, you, you know, you start looking through the, the rest of that lottery and into the first round, there's some good players to be had, you know, good players that could end up making impacts on teams. I'm a, I know you're going, I, I haven't been to the lottery in a few years. I, I was a regular at one point uh, <laughs> early in my career when I was covering your Hawks, they, they even had a, an engraved plaque at my seat every year <laughs> at the lottery. Big shout out to Mark Richard from the NBA who, uh, who made it a, a, a joke every year to give me the business around lottery time. And, uh, I'll look for that seat tonight. <laughs> yeah, the Sekou Smith Memorial seat at the uh, lottery. <laughs> but I, you know, I don't know that. I'm I'm trying to figure out what what about this draft? Because everybody talks, oh, this is a good draft. It's a much deeper draft, or this is really good. These, I don't, you know, I don't know if anybody sees a a game changing like you know, I like Kyrie Irving is a prime example. He's a great young talent. You know, had a a, a great rookie season by any stretch but wasn't able to take that franchise and kind of breathe it, the sort of thing into the Cavaliers that a, that a talent like LeBron does, or same goes for Dwight or the same goes for Derrick Rose. You know, when you come in and instantly you can see the wheels turning in a franchise that, Hey, this, this, this thing's not going to take as long to, to redo or to, to get back on track as it might with some other number one picks. And I don't know if I see that guy after Anthony Davis, even if this is a deep draft, I don't know if I see that guy in this draft. Right. So it's going like you know, like I said, I think it'll be a a very interesting night tonight because it's going to determine a lot of futures. Well, I don't I don't want to dive into predictions too heavy, but um, the next time we get on these mics, <laughs> the conference finals could be over on both sides. Uh, just if we're just going by initial reactions to how to the series is looking right now. Do you, obviously neither one of us will complain about a, a San Antonio Spurs Miami Heat finals, but do you think the either the Celtics or the Thunder have a chance of stretching these things out to six or seven games? 
Yeah, I think so. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't expect Oklahoma City to get swept. Um, you know, I think when they go home, uh, they get the crowd behind them. Uh, they, you know, they, 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 I think they take something. Even though they lost that game too, I think they take something from it in the the way they were able to come back in the third and fourth quarter. Um, I think they get some confidence from that, and um, you know, I think that series is gonna. Um, even out a little bit. And I also think the Celtics, you know, it's too early to stick a fork in them sure. uh, just because they, you know, these guys have pride. They've been around, they've been there before. They're not going to just roll over. And uh, you know, so I, I think both of these series, you know, it's early obviously. And uh, I think we, you know, we all have that tendency to jump to the conclusion up, oh, you know, two Oh one Oh, this is over. Yeah. But uh it's never as easy as it seems. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I felt the same way. You know, you watch the first couple games of this conference uh, semifinals, and you go, oh, well, you know. And, and the, the the Celtics and the Sixers end up stretching all the way to the end. Um, not so much, you know, for the for the Clippers and the Lakers in terms right. of how they got dealt with in the West. So I, I say I say let's be a little patient and uh, and see what the weekend brings. Um and then maybe take another look. And who knows? You know, if we do end up, as you say, sticking a fork in somebody, uh, we'll certainly have a full plate for the finals. I'm, I, I don't, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, I won't lie to you and tell you that I'm not looking. That I don't have one eye peeking around the corner at what could be in the finals. Because much like last year, when when the Heat had to deal with a Dallas team that was, you know, seasoned and and real deliberate in terms of how they were going to attack you. And it was basically a, this, this war of you, you either combat our execution with, with even better execution on the defensive end or get, or get your lip busted every night. Right. And you know, it, that's how it kind of played out this Spurs team. If they do end up beating the thunder present all sorts of problems for whoever they would face in the finals the Heat or Celtics or whoever that I that I think are going to be fantastic to watch how a, a team with two, you know, uber elite superstars at the heights of their games dealing with a group like the Spurs who can come at you, you know, 10, 11, 12 deep. I'm again, I'm, I'm forecasting here, but uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 I am itchy. I got an itchy finger to, to see how things play out. So, uh, stay dry and uh, stay uh, stay close to the to the passport and uh, and your in your carry on bag, my friend. We gotta we have some business to handle in the finals. <laughs> I'm ready, man. <laughs> All right, Lang Whitaker, my co-host here, Seiko Smith from the Hangtime Blog at NBA.com. Need to give a shout out to Sam Amick of SI.com for joining us on episode 81 here of the Hangtime Podcast. We will do this again next week, folks. Make sure you join us, and we appreciate it. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do.